Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us in the great wide world brought together by the internet. We are the last three guys to do a podcast. We are here live uh, the week before the Super Bowl. But before we get to the Super Bowl, we've got some things to get take care of. And first is our special guest. He's joining us right now. Oh, by the way, before I forget, we are also going out on Twitter Spaces on my personal account, John underscore Morgo. So we'll see if we can get some people to join in on that as well. Hopefully, well, let's turn the mic on. That might that might help. Okay. So before we, before, without further ado, we are joined by our special guest, Georgia State Women's Basketball Head Coach Gene Hill. He's joining us on the podcast. Coach Hill, appreciate you joining us here. I know you're busy. You got a good team this season, and I really appreciate you taking time out to talk with us. No problem, John. It's always good to join you all. Just love what you all are doing, and especially for women's basketball. Any uh, positive exposure we can get, we we love it. So uh, definitely uh, happy to be on. All right. Again, you're you're joined with Leon Brown and Daniel Bolton, uh, Coach. Let's start things off uh, right where they are. Um, you you beat Georgia Southern. You swept the team from Statesboro this season. That's got to be positive. You're eleven and eight overall, five and four in the conference. Uh, five and four in the conference. Uh, this has been a successful season by any standard, and I, I just like after that after that sweep of Georgia Southern, where do you go from here? Well, you know, obviously, yes. Anytime you can uh, sweep your rivals, that's always a, a good uh, start, right, and everything. But again, uh, this year we talked about having some uh, long-term goals and wanting. Uh, to try to uh, have a chance to, uh, you know, compete uh, to win the conference and, and position ourselves for a good standing, a good seed uh, for the conference tournament. So uh, we're, we're happy right now with how we're playing. We feel like that we're starting to play uh, really well at the right time of the year, uh, but we still feel like we have a lot of things that we can still improve on, and we're just going to continue to work on those things and just hopefully stay healthy and, uh, and keep this thing going. That, uh, true, that is ah, – shoot, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the most important part, staying healthy. Uh, you've got three players in double – leading the league – I mean, sorry, leading your team in double figures. I think the big name, of course, is Crystal Henderson, Scoop's younger sister. Um, she has, has seemingly been really a spark for you guys. But, talk, but before we talk, get into her, your leading scorer is Michaela Tolvert. I hope I pronounced that name correctly, uh, averaging 14 and a half. What has she been – how has she been uh, – what does she give to your team? Uh, first of all, John, I also want to correct. We're 7-4. We're 7-4. Seven and, four seven and four. I'm sorry. This thing that I've got – this thing that I'm looking at is obviously old. My apologies, Coach. Yeah. Uh, but Michaela, you know, she was our uh, leading uh, scorer last year. She was preseason all Sunday. Uh, Michaela, you know, I always tell people when they ask about her, is that Michaela is a perfect example of how it's supposed to happen. You know, when I talk about college athletics, uh, she came in as a freshman, highly recruited in basketball uh, her junior year in uh, Florida. And uh, her freshman year, she didn't play a time, uh, but she stayed the course. She continued to get better. She continued to work. Uh, she didn't jump ship. And then you saw the jump in her game her sophomore year. And now you see the jump in her game her junior year. Uh, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how we want it. Uh, and now uh, you don't see it that often anymore, but uh, we knew what type of player she was when we recruited her, and she's just continued to grow and uh, provide a great leadership for us on and off the court. And so we're just excited about uh, what's uh, up and coming for her. Uh, Coach, what do you uh, – we might have gotten to this a little earlier, I'm, uh, but I'll ask it again. Coach, what uh, – this has been a team that has kind of been the last couple of years – 500, less than 500, somewhere around that area. What do you credit the turnaround to? Well, I, I think, you know, we've had some kids who stuck with it. When you talk about, again, I talked about Michaela Tolliver, uh, D.H. Jamera, uh, you know, Cam Ziak, who's back this year. Uh, you know, the, the previous two years before that, our leading scores, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or transfers, uh, was always uh, voting out or not available. And so anytime you have that inconsistency in your roster, it's, it's tough to uh, continue to be uh, build and be good. 
Um, this year we had some kids, uh, Alyssa Phillips, another upperclassman, three years in the system, who's leading us in rebounding. Uh, when you have those type of kids now, you have a foundation that you can build so you're not starting from ground zero. And then when you add in some freshmen like Crystal Henderson, and uh, then you throw in some junior college kids and some transfers, and that can kind of bolt you up a little bit. And so that's just being it. You know, uh, again, that foundation of those kids returning back and then us having uh, some solid recruits who are able now to come in and help lift the boat and with us not having to start from ground uh, zero again. All right, Daniel, I will turn it over to you. All right, thank you, guys. Gene, good to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, no problem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the state of college basketball, obviously, we know where it is in terms of uh, NIL and the transfer portal. Um, uh, what have been your thoughts? Because I don't think we've talked to you since, um, you know, this historic groundbreaking change in uh, college sports has happened. Um, what are your thoughts on it, and how has, has it affected um, you in terms of coaching and in terms of recruiting? Well, you know, obviously I'm a big uh, supporter of players uh, being able to uh, earn and profit off their image and likeness. So I'm, I'm not someone who don't think that they should be able to do that. I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, it's just a lot more that goes into it. And I think a lot has happened in the last three to four years. And uh, I, I know a lot of fans, you know, that have opinions. And they think a lot of times that the players are really being uh, done unfairly. But, you know, uh, college athletics, I, I wish it was where it was uh, when I played. I mean, uh, God, but I, what our players get right now and everything, they're, they're, they're you know, I, I have kids who leave and they graduate with jobs and, and it, it never fails in three to four months. They're calling me back like, Coach, God, adulting is not fun. I would like <laughs> to come back and do this again. Oh. Yeah, so so they, they have a pretty good uh, situation, most of them. Obviously, do they deserve more? Yeah, they deserve more. We want to be able to give them more. But I think right now what's happening, uh, we're, we're getting ready and we're going through a transition where uh, college athletics is not going to be recognizable to us who, you know, been around for a while. It's, it's going to be a whole new thing. And, and now you're starting to hear some uproar uh, as people are seeing how the transfer is happening in football and the rosters are constantly changing and everything. Some of those same people who was asking for some of these things are like, oh, 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 that's not what I meant there. I didn't want my team to change <laughs> every year. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's just thought of it and stuff. So uh, I think we're, we, we have to make sure that uh, we, we, we take care of the players and make sure that we uh, give them everything that they, they deserve. But I think that one of the things that is being lost, you know, uh, we have to also make sure that we uh, take care of the academic component of it and make sure that these young ladies and the uh, young men graduate. And that's the biggest fear I have right now with the unlimited transfers. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, most fans don't realize about the rules with degree, uh, 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 progress towards degree. And this is going to really put kids in a tough situation if they keep transferring. And we're going to have a lot of kids in three to four years who are done with eligibility and don't have a degree to uh, show for it. And that's because of some of these new rule changes uh, that we're having uh, imposed on us. All right. Uh, Leon, do you have a question for Coach Hill? Yes. You know, I like, I like the record, 74-13 overall. You know, I, I, I know that one of the cornerstones of just competing in, in anything that requires skills is just remaining level-headed. You guys have a team that is, I would say, less than five. They are under 500 coming up in this game. And you guys are pretty much a consistent. How, how do you prepare your girls for that? You know, to not take, to, to not look past the lesser opponents. Well, you know, it's funny you ask that, Leon, because, you know, we and when we're preparing a schedule, we want to make sure that that schedule prepares us for our conference because obviously here in the Sun Belt, we're not like some of the Power Five schools where we can just, you know, uh, win a certain amount of games and still get a bid. We have to win our conference tournament to get in. So uh, we're trying to do everything to lead up to that. And so what I mean and why I bring that up 
in our schedule, we had some of those people in non-conference. And we didn't answer the bell, I don't feel like, doing non-conference. You know, we lost some games early where, uh, you know, on paper, uh, we felt like we was a better team than them. Record-wise right now, our record is better than them. Uh, so I think those experiences have really helped us now prepare uh, to uh, make sure that we stay focused on uh, playing our style, uh, you know, staying in the moment, not playing down, or, or, or looking at people uh, record and thinking, oh, well, this is going to be easy, or even looking and saying, hey, we can't do this. You know, uh, we tried to play some teams in the Power uh, Power 5 team with Clemson and was able to beat them. Uh, we went to Troy and beat a, a, a really, really good Troy team on their home court and recently beat uh, James Madison team. So I think all those games in the pre-conference uh, uh, season uh, really has helped prepare our team mentally uh, for those type of challenges. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, mentioned, you mentioned the Clemson victory. Uh, to go there and win by six – uh, with great games from Maya Williams and Crystal Henderson, uh, that must have that really must have felt really good for you and for the Georgia State team to actually be able to do that, go into a Power Five school and knock them off. Uh, yeah, no question. You know, every every mid major, that's what you you know you schedule those games, and that's what you dream of to be able to go on their court and get a walk away with a victory. But I also say that was the turning point for us because again, going back to kind of what Leon is talking about. Uh, we, we went to Winthrop uh, before that, and we lost that game. We felt like going in there uh, that we was favored to win that. And we, we really had some uh, good conversations uh, after that game. And uh, we really, I think that's where our focus started uh, changing a lot uh, after that uh, Winthrop game and going into Clemson. And so then to be able to get that win at Clemson and have all those players uh, play particularly well and, 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 and um come from that, I think that's really helped us be able to have something to draw on. Uh, Coach, looking ahead at the at the rest of your schedule, uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm looking over the teams. You've got a double head. You've got two with Coastal Carolina, but my real um, but really the big game that kind of looms at me is the February 27th matchup at Marshall. They're leading the league. They're 10 and they're 10 and one overall. They're 10 and one in the conference, 16 and six overall. That is probably going to be a big test for you. I mean, what does Marsh? I, I know you probably haven't started your real scouting against the Thundering Herd, but you must. But what can you? And well, actually, Marshall just picked up their first conference loss. Um, what does Marshall, however, bring to the table? How are you going to prepare for that? Uh, we, we've already played them once. Okay. And, uh, we felt like you know we played well for, uh, for moments there. They play a unique style. They play a style like no one other. And, you know, it's funny. I'm happy for uh, Sean at James Madison to be able to go up there and knock them off. We was talking uh, Wednesday before our game, and, and both of us was just scratching our head to try to figure out what's the best strategy. Uh, they want to shoot the three. They like to play fast. You know, a lot of teams talk about playing fast, yeah. but they really want to play fast. And, and, and it's not a big deal for them to shoot. Uh, attempt 45 threes in a game. I mean, they get it up. And then another thing that they kind of do that's different, they're going to press you, and they're going to press you on miss and makes. Uh, so you have to kind of get your team for, uh, prepared for that. So it's a whole different uh, uh, a style of play. And, and then you have to figure out how you can match those threes. You know, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't trade twos for threes. Uh, that's how they beat you. Uh, so they're, they're a team that, uh, you know, it's a unique style. Uh, no one else plays that way. Uh, so, uh, obviously, I'll go back and watch and see what James Madison did because so far they've been the only one who's uh, successful in defending them. But, you know, right now they're basically playing with five guards also. Their center uh, got injured. So, they, they create some matchup problems for us and everything. But, uh, again, we'll go in there, and I know our players are ready for that, but we've been trying to stay focused on one game at a time. But uh, we'll go in and, and see what we can do there. Uh, now, for listeners or viewers of this who, who do not, I've, I've explained this many times, but to, to any new people who are who are dropping in as we're joined by Georgia State women's basketball coach Gene Hill here on the last few guys do a podcast. I used to be your play-by-play -play announcer. I think this is my third or fourth year that I'm not doing it. Um, 
One thing that I could always count on when I was in the Sun Belt, and this has nothing to do with Georgia State, it was just that Louisiana Monroe was the worst team in the conference. But now I'm looking at the standings. They're seven and four. They are all 15 and seven overall. I mean, I'm you know I'm happy for the Warhawks to finally turn this around. But what what do you look at the Warhawks and say? Oh, what did they do differently to, in order to get to this point? Well, you know. Um... John, I tell you, this league has really changed since you uh, was uh, tagging along with us. I mean, it, it is it's brutal. Right now in this league, uh, our net rating as a conference is 10th in the nation. I mean, every night it's a challenge. Uh, when you talk about Monroe, they hired a new coach. She was a JUCO coach, and uh, she was able to bring back some players who played for her, who was at Power 5 school. She has a, uh, a point guard who started at Clemson. She's there now. Uh, she had a kid who uh, played at Auburn. She's there. She had another kid, you know, she brought in. And, and they dramatically changed how they look and everything. So uh, they're definitely a, a tough, tough matchup right now. And stuff. They can score. Uh, and, and But, you know, I tell you, it's just throughout throughout the league, it's like that. Marshall, a brand-new coach, also brought in a new style, new players and everything. I mean, it, it's no gimmick in this league anymore. So, you know, you used to be able to think, Hey, I can go here and I can count these wins and everything. Hey, it's not like that anymore. We mm-hmm. added uh, James Madison, ODU, uh, Marshall, and, and, and Southern Miss. And this league has really just become a really tough uh, women's basketball league and uh, night in and night out. Well, I certainly do miss hanging out with you, Coach, that's for sure. Uh, Daniel, you got another question? a comment about your league, Coach, because uh, about the Sunbelt League. I tell you what, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm looking at the standings now, and yes, you guys are tied for fourth, but I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, there's about five or six teams that can actually get a bid in the tournament, and that's just how good the league has been this year, right? And, of course, you you know how this is how I've always felt. I didn't, I really didn't care about what league you were in. You know, it, as long as you can play and it was enough and it was good enough to get into the tournament. And you know, it it, it had always been that way uh, for several years. But then you started to see a couple of mid major teams or a couple of group of five teams of conferences that may get two or three teams in. Right? I think this is the league that can get about three to four teams in. Well, you know, Go ahead. we're Go ahead. looking at and I, I, I hate that. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a women's basketball league that can do that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it'll happen this year, but I tell you what, I, it's it's probably, you know, six or seven schools in this league that if, if we did get in, I can guarantee you that uh, those teams wouldn't be happy to play in the first round. Yeah, uh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, this league again. We last year, uh, we we had three teams tied for the regular season championship. Came yep. down, uh, well, it should it would have been four teams, but uh, one team lost on the last day of uh, a conference uh, to uh, fall out. But it is a extremely tough league, and uh, we're doing things to try to help continue to raise the net rating. We're doing some schedule requirements, non-conference. We've added the MAC Challenge as another way to maybe try to up the non-conference schedule and everything uh, to try to prepare ourselves to, uh, well, position ourselves so that we can become a, a multi-team uh, bid league. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the MAC Challenge is that it's two ends of it. You host you hosted Western Mish uh, the first weekend of the season here at the Georgia State Convocation Center, 7158. Now, this Saturday, you're headed up to the Cradle of Coaches, Miami of Ohio, in Oxford. So that's very unusual. Not so much to ha- not so much to do that, in the- but to do it twice in the middle of the- and have one in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 idea was to uh, the first game you try to base it on your previous year uh, record and standing to try to match up the best teams. And then from there, from uh, the conference, your non-conference, uh, you want to base it uh, the next matchup to try to help you raise your net there. So 
so that's yeah. kind of the ideal of it. It does uh, present some challenges and everything uh, in trying to make sure you get a good matchup there. Uh, but obviously, I think uh, the Sun Belt, we represented really well in, uh, the fir- uh, in the first round. Hopefully, we'll do the same here uh, come Saturday. Uh, but again, I think it's another way just to uh, raise the profile of our uh, league. Mm-hmm. I know uh, the two teams uh, play on national TV on Sunday, uh, James Madison and uh, Ball State. So I think mm-hmm. that's another you know, a great opportunity just to give some more uh, recognition to the league also. I'll try to catch that game. Coach, you're in your second season at the Georgia State Convocation Center. Uh, I Everyone I've talked to said it is a definite improvement over the sports arena. What has the atmosphere been like in the new building? Yeah, John, I think that's an understatement since improvement. But, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful facility. It's definitely uh, been uh, great to be able to play there. It's helped recruiting, obviously. And it's just helped uh, raise the profile of Georgia State uh, in the basketball world. You know, to be able to now uh, say that you have a really nice home and you can bring recruits in or even when visitors come in for games, you know, for them to see what we're doing over there in, in Summer Hill is a really neat environment. Uh, it's a great place to play. It's been a great home court for us. Uh, you know, we had a great crowd there this weekend, and just we look forward to just continuing to uh, do some things there to uh, build more support uh, in uh, within the uh, community. But uh, you definitely have to come catch a game. It's not a bad season in the house. All right. Well, I will definitely try. I will definitely try. I think the next thing is uh, your last Saturday home game is not till the 24th against Old Dominion. That's going to tip off 5 o'clock. And, of course, the other game, at home, February 22nd, Thursday, 6.30 tip-off with the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. So if you want to catch your Georgia State women's basketball team, you only got two more chances to do so, and that's going to be in a couple of weeks. Uh, Leon, uh, you you have another question. Yeah, I'm just look, I'm look, looking down the line. You know, on paper, it seems that you guys may have a challenging schedule, but in reality, I mean, like a somewhat of an easy schedule with the exception of Old Dominion coming up. But in reality, you guys got to play those games real because those teams, for example, I'm talking about the Coastals and the App States, granted, they may have inferior records, but these guys are going to come out gunning. These women are going to come out gunning at you guys. Oh, no question about it. I mean, you know, uh, again, as John mentioned, we still have to go to Marshall. You mentioned ODU. Uh, we still also have to go up to James Madison. Yeah, again, on, on a, on a, on a th- third uh, – a week from Tuesday, the 15th. Right. And, and, and so, but, you know, App State, you know, I, I don't know, uh, and John, uh, he can tell you and stuff, you know, you go up that mountain <laughs> and, and about 3,600 uh, feet above uh, uh, and stuff, and, you know, you think you got some quick kids and they're in shape, but uh, about uh, uh, five minutes of running there and stuff, they just don't look the same. And stuff. So they definitely, when you talk about a home court advantage, App State definitely has one. So that's always a tough place to play. And uh, Angel, uh, she's done a good job there in, in, in making sure that her kids always compete hard there. They're well coached. So we know that would be a tough matchup there. And then Coastal also is another uh, young coach. Got in, uh, his first year was last year, so he's still developing the program. But right now they're competing, they're competing, and he does just a good job. So, yeah, uh, you, you can't overlook those teams. I, you know, I, I think that's the thing you're – you're, you're leading to, and, and, and we definitely know that. For us to continue to stay in that uh, upper uh, half of the schedule, we can't let games slip. And, and, and so we're going to take it one game at a time, but those games are uh, key for us. Well, the thing of it is, with this road trip, when I was with you, you, you always had the App State and Coastal trip. This time it's going to be James Madison and Appalachia State. I mean, that's for, for a packing purposes, that's better because when you have the old – rotation you have to pack for the mountains and the beach in the same trip so so your suitcase is always twice as big as it normally is this time just mountain clothes so i think that's that means the packing is a lot less for, for that and whenever i went to appalachia state didn't matter and of course it's january february always snow on the ground somewhere so yeah. no question john yeah it's a little longer trip john we'll fly you up to james madison uh-huh bus uh, to App State, you know, uh, just couldn't with the flight and everything. We've been just uh, as long trying to fly back there and so we'll put from there. But you're right, uh, definitely be a cold trip. We, we bought some bombers for trips like that and, and, and 
also to Ohio trip also. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, because that's a, a three-game road trip. Uh, you're going to Ohio. Actually, I'm sorry, it's a four-game road. Uh, four-game road trip because you No, I'm sorry, the Arkansas State game this Wednesday night, that's home, 6.30 p.m. start. So I, I neglected to mention that when I said uh, gave the Panthers rest of the schedule. There is one other home game there. Of course, that is the App State. I'm sorry, the Ark State trip and the Red Wolves. Um, but again, that's the the long three game road trip with Ohio, Virginia, and North Carolina coming up before those last two home games with Coastal and ODU. Sorry about that, uh, Daniel. You got anything else? No, I, th- I think that we we should make this. Uh, I think we should make the game. Oh, well, no question, we should. It's just and it, I know, I know, I should make one. I don't have an excuse. Yeah, you work there. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to be there, you know? Yes, you do. We need you there. We need you yes, there. Uh, my, yeah. pro- my problem is I get off work at around 8 to 9, but, of course, I make I make exceptions if I'm broadcasting a game. And, really, the only time I can get out there is going to be that old Dominion game on, on the 24th. Uh, and I just hope I don't have any just – just hope I don't have any other assignments that might get in the way of that. So we'll just see about – we'll just see what happens. Okay. Well, let me know. I know someone who may could get you some tickets, so let me know <laughs> when you want to come. All right, cool. Cool, Coach. We'll definitely make a night of it. All right, well, I think I think that'll do it. Coach Gene Hill from Georgia State Women's Basketball, thank you so much for joining us here on the last few guys do a podcast. Best of luck to you down the stretch for the Panthers, and we'll be sure to try to make one of those three games that wrap up the regular season. Appreciate everything you all do. Uh, continue the good work. Take care. All right. You too, Coach. Thank have a good you night. So much, man. You have a good one. Too. All right. That was Gene Hill, head coach of the Georgia State Basketball uh, Panthers, women's basketball team. Great season for the Panthers so far. They're in double-figure wins. They are 7-4 and four in the Sun Belt. It is a – finally, he's got this program turned around, going in the right direction. The last couple of years, Georgia State has been – kind of in the middle to the bottom of the pack. But right now they are ascended, but they've got a really tough place in the standings. They're in a three-way tie for seven and four and a big game coming up against James Madison on February 15th. The James Madison right now is third in the Sun Belt, a game above them, but they are tied with Old Dominion. And as I mentioned, the ULM, Louisiana Warhawks. Uh, Arkansas State is right behind them. So that game Wednesday night, very big. Panthers need a victory to try and keep the Red Wolves at bay, get into that top top spot, top seedings in the conference tournament. Again, it is a, was it a 12-team tournament or 12-team league or 13? Oh, it is 13 because I did not see South Alabama. Actually, wait a minute, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, that's 14. 14. 14 teams. So I do not know what the conference tournament does, but it will probably have either a first round or a second round by and right now, Georgia State, if they can get a couple more victories, uh, they could be in line for that first round bye. And we all know how important that is in a conference tournament, that extra day of rest uh, before you get into the higher seeds, the later stages of that particular tournament. But again, the big game with James Madison, uh, with, I'm sorry, with Arkansas State coming up, they're right behind them. And of course, games coming up with the Dukes and the Thundering Herd of Marshall uh, two games with Coastal Carolina. They're two and nine. They're at the bottom of the standings. They, as Leon was mentioning, you gotta make hay against the teams you you are on paper supposed to beat, and that Coastal Carolina that counts in that ca- in that ca- particular category. Yeah, you're right, John. It, it does, uh, and it starts with James Madison. I mean, they've already gotten a victory over uh, James Madison already. The Dukes already have. Beating them on their home floor, or, or well, on Georgia State yeah, home floor, one by ten, seventy-two. So you have to go up there and you have to get that win. You get that win, you have uh, the you own the tiebreaker over James Madison. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is a one game at a time lead, and you're forced to have it that way. Yes, like you mentioned, they're in a three-way tie for fourth place, and I know this is that's an incredible, incredible. Uh, uh, thing that's going on there. Coach Dean Hill has now gotten his team to a level of where you feel that they can compete now, day in and day out. So this is a good move. This is a great deal for him. Proud of him. Proud of what the program has done. 
and how it's turned everything around for them. Now they have a shot. John, they can they can get up to second place. Yes. In, in reality, right? They can get up to second place. I believe they still have – no, they're done with Troy. Yeah, they're done with Troy. They're done with Troy. Look, they got the win over Troy. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, that's the real good thing. They only played Troy once. Yeah, it was they a, went down. It was their first first uh, conference game, actually. Yep, it was the first conference game. We went down and beat them. So when you look at that, it's just a matter of just winning your games now, you yeah. know, and and keeping and keeping Troy and James Madison in your hindsight. Yes, you do have UL Monroe and Old Dominion right there, but you can still uh, you still just have to compile those games and and get the victory. It's gonna be a tough tough task in day in and day out, but still go ahead and get it. Get those wins. All right. So we've got about it. That interview took up about a half hour, which is good. So we've got a half hour left to discuss the NFL. First of all, Daniel, when we were talking a little bit earlier, you said that the Falcons head coach decision of Raheem Morris was a good decision. Defend that. Yes. Um, listen, I get it, folks. He was, he was four and seven during the time when he was the interim coach. And so a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, man, well, well come on, man. What what are we doing here? What are we doing? Raheem Morris, first off, he, he has had the, the sign seal of approval of, of players. Mm-hmm. Right? And with him and Fontenot together, I think that they can come up with a buy-in system. Um, when he was the head coach at Tampa, yes, he, he, had, a win, uh, he had a losing record. But he was 10 and 6 his final year, and he was let go. And everybody was just kind of like, well, why is he let go? What, what's going on with that? Um, I just think that out of everybody that you had in that pool, he was the better candidate. And mm-hmm. and people who probably listen to this and say, well, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Bill Belichick was out there. Yes, he was. Bill Belichick's a what, seven-time two bowl champion? But he's he's also 72. You gotta wonder how many years he's got left. He's also seventy-two, but what else did he do? Do y'all remember Matt Jones? Yep. And the development of Matt Jones, or lack thereof, or lack thereof. Thank you. <laughs> we need a guy who can go in there, and you need somebody who can start fresh. Okay, he knows the culture. He knows what this team needs. He, I mean. You gave the guy the keys to an apartment, and he has to keep his own home. That's the difference in this. Listen, and, and I told you this, and I told you guys this before. They need to pick their coach first, and they did. Yeah. And so now he and Fontenot can sit down together. And the crazy part about it, they don't report to Rich McKay. They yep. report directly to Arthur Blankman. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a huge factor. I just want people to know that it's a big time factor. But, however, when you talk about Raheem Morris, he can come in. He knows the type of quarterback he wants to run the system. Everything has to go right. GM has to do his job. The coach and the quarterback has to get has to be together on certain things, and it has to they have to match each other's philosophy. Yeah. Look at the Super Bowl now. Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes are synonymous to each other. Brock Purdy. And Kyle Shanahan are synonymous to each other. That's why they're in the game. Okay? You need that quarterback-coach combination that can settle in. Raheem Morris knows the kind of coach he wants. He's already building his staff up. He already took somebody from the Rams where he was previously. Zach Robinson, the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was the the quality coach and the quarterback Uh, uh, coach for L.A. When he was out there, he's the O.C. Okay? He's going to get that defensive coordinator. He, he may call plays for the defense. I'm not sure. But he's going to look – he's probably going to look deep into that because that's what he's uh, accustomed to. Although he's coached both sides of the ball, which is crazy. <laughs> so it, it, it just, it's just fitting because the one place that we're probably lacking and the only reason why we're 7-10 and 10 and we've been in that way three straight years, we don't have a quarterback. We don't have a consistent quarterback. We thought Mariota was the guy last year. Turns out he wasn't. We thought Ritter would have been ready this year. He turned the ball over too much. 
we we lacked at the depth of the quarterback position, and simply because of the fact that we did not have that guy, we went seven and ten. Our defense was ranked in the top ten, and so you know I think we're good on the defensive front, but we have to replace the defensive coordinator because Nielsen went to Jacksonville for the same position. Yeah. So it now that has to a uh, uh, play a key, but the first thing we have to do that quarterback for the whether if he's for the future or if it's a win now mentality you're going to get a Kirk Cousins a Russell Wilson trade for Justin Fields even though I think the Bears came out and said they're not trading for him they're not trading within the NFC that's what I heard that they're they're looking at AFC teams to trade for Justin Fields to even listen to offers but that's what it has to be and so that's why I am with it. I think Ryan Morris, I think he's a great hire. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens with his team. Okay. Okay, Leon, do you have any uh, – do you have any – I know you're happy that your Chargers have uh, finally pulled the – finally got Jim Harbaugh, their man, in there. Uh, so, well, how do you see him? Do you think – do you think Jim Harbaugh is going to stick with Justin Herbert, or do you think Jim Harbaugh is going to say, you know what, I'm going to try to get somebody else? And he's going to give it a year. He's going to, he's going to give it a year with Justin Herbert. Well, first of all, before, before I go off and go on um, my rant, I'd like to say congratulations to um, to Mike to Michael Renner of Southwest Atlanta, also known as Killer Mike, on bringing home the Grammy for best rap song for his album Mike. So, you know, just to put that out there, you know what I'm saying? Heavy influence, great, great artist, you know, and not enough good things can be said about this man. Very active in the community. He's more than just a rapper. So, um, once again, shout out to uh, Michael Renner, also as Killer Mike. Um, as far as with Jim Harbaugh, I would like to see Justin Herbert, you know, I, I just want to see the man win. I don't want to see Phillip Rivers 2.0. And I, when I mean Phillip Rivers, I'm talking about post-Ladanian Tomlinson, Phillip Rivers 2.0. I'm talking about post-Ladanian Tomlinson, two, two playoff appearances in 10 years. We don't need that. We brought Justin Herbert in to change that stat. Justin Herbert inherited a great team. Mike Will, Austin Eckler. Keenan, Keenan Allen. Did I say he's Keenan? T- oh my God! I, I got his name right. I I, I can't believe I, I lost my guy's um, last name, but you guys know what I'm talking. About. He inherited a great team. They're already throwing around the, the they're already throwing throwing the, the overrated badge. If they throw the overrated badge, you know you know what's next? What? Bust. <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need that. No. And. I believe he's going to give him he's going to give him a year to go off and get his stuff together. If he he does not if if, if the Chargers cannot turn something around in a year because granted let me tell you right now with with the movement that Antonio Pierce has going on in Vegas the Raiders want to get better yeah. they're going to get better. I don't know what Denver's talking about I, I I just don't know I'm not I just don't know if they've shown signs of life. Um. This year, you know, they did go on a five-game winning streak in which we were one of their victims of that five during that five-game winning streak. But we're going to have to get better. And as we know, the elephant in the room is Kansas City. You know that they're if if they win the Super Bowl next week, we're talking about dynasty. That's happening on Justin Herbert's watch. So you know we we got to get in the mix. So I I would like. I believe that Jim Harbaugh has great intentions with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen mm-hmm. and, and and the crew. Because I want to see better things out of Khalil Mack. He's not. He's not. If, if he if we can get him back, I want to see better things out of Joey Bosa. I I want to see better things out of my team in general. But it's, it's I think we're, we're we're definitely putting a step in the right direction. I like to appreciate. Jim Harbaugh for even coming to my team because he could have gone, he could he could have went anywhere else in the world. He could have stayed in Michigan and been the next Nick Saban. Yeah. 
he could have been, but he chose to come and coach my team. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he could bring that winning pedigree that he had in Michigan. And remember, he was a winning pro football coach when he was in San Francisco. We're talking about super. We're talking about three back-to-back NFC championships with two different quarterbacks and a Super Bowl appearance. So he has a winning pedigree. So I just need for him to go off and, you know, hopefully a lot of that, he, he, he could just bring that culture to the Chargers and we could translate that culture into a comfortable playoff appearance. And hopefully we could go off and Detroit Lions himself. If Detroit could do it, then damn it, we can too. Oh, that's how I don't know about I'll leave it at that. Yeah. If Detroit can do it, then we can too. You know, so and it, it just it just has to be that way because I think both of our teams are maybe one position away yep. from being like in the conversation, right? You know, listen, the, the, the Chargers in our in fifty four years of a franchise, right? Only four AFC championship appearances. Ugh. <laughs> Gotta, it's, something's got, you know. I believe it. I, I, I believe. Okay, I believe it can happen. But that's the new mantra. If Detroit could do it, so can we. Real quick, before we get into the Super Bowl, Leon mentioned something, John, and and I, I want everybody's opinion on this. Leon, you asked a question last week in our um, in our uh, uh, group chat. And it was concerning the NFC and AFC championship game, um, which uh, and the question was, which loss was worse? Was it, it was it the Ravens or was it Detroit's uh, downfall or, com- or the comeback by San Francisco over Detroit? I, I want you guys, I want your guys' opinion on that one. John, let me start with you. What, what's your opinion on that, man? Which loss is worse for for? Uh, well, let's see. Well, yeah, for which the, loss? Well, I think the twelve. Well, let's see. Well, I think Baltimore. I, I want to. Yeah, boy, this is tough. Uh, I want to say Baltimore's loss was worse, simply because they lost at they lost on their home field. Uh. They had they had that extra week off, although that really didn't matter because they still had to beat Houston to get in. Uh, yes, the weather was t- was terrible, but you know Kansas City had to do the same thing. Uh, Lamar Jackson did serviceable, but yet again it was it was that combination of Mahomes and Kelsey that you know Mahomes really knows his offense. He knows where to go with the ball. So yeah, I would say the Baltimore loss was worse. So, yeah, I said Baltimore was worse. Detroit, I mean, you're in San Francisco. You're in San Francisco. You know they're coming back. Even though you got ahead, you know the Niners aren't done. You know the Niners can count on that crowd to get them in the ball game. So. Hey, mind you, me and Leon, we we actually watched this. We actually watched the Lions and 49ers game. Okay. Uh, Leon, what did you think? And then I, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys know what I think. I like it. it was, you know, when we were watching that game, we were like, you know, there's no way that <laughs> could possibly lose that game. Correct. I mean, the way that they were stop, they were stopping San Francisco and running the ball down their throats in the process. It's like they could do, they could do no wrong during the first half. In the shower, came back out. These guys blew a 24 to 7 lead in eight minutes. In an NFC championship, what you that's the type of stuff you do in week five. You get you get the blunders out of your system in week five. You don't do that in the NFC championship. It's like they woke up and they did the opposite of what Cincinnati did two years ago. You know, Cincinnati was a young team, inexperienced. I can't remember the last time that um, the Bengals had any kind of real success 
And guess what? They woke up in the Super Bowl with a second-year quarterback. And you got Detroit Lions. It's like they woke up in the, in the third half, I mean, in the, in the third quarter. It's like, you know, dang, we're Detroit. You know, we, that's, you know, and I, I would say the Detroit Lions was like, because during the game with Baltimore and San Francisco, I can't remember a time in that game where Baltimore beat them. I mean, not mean Baltimore and uh, Detroit. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. The team that Baltimore, Baltimore and Kansas City. Okay. Oh, okay. I can't remember a time when they were actually up in the game. No, they, they were down for the most part. They were, they were down for, for the most of the game. You know, that was very disappointing. You know, um, I think that Baltimore should have stuck with what they were good at, and that's just the RPO. They, they should have just kept it, just kept it, keep it with the RPO. Don't, you know, some people are good pocket passers, and granted, being a good pocket passer, Lamar can do that. But when the chips on the line, man, stick to what you're good at. If they can't stop it, it is what it is, man. They just can't stop it. Keep it going. Detroit, they had, it's like, they wrestled the feet out of the jaws of victory. If that makes sense. I would rather get blown out. If I'm a team, I would rather see my team get blown out than lose like that. I mean, you don't, you, 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 you got walked down by a second year quarterback. Brock Purdy is a second year quarterback. Jared Goff's got some years. Um, Granny's only been in Detroit for two years. Brock Purdy's only been in the league for two years. They just put that team together. Christian McCaffrey was, was, was a mid-season acquisition. Debo Samuels wasn't even 100%. He was supposed to be out that game. That man showed up. Yeah. And they walked him down. 17 points. In a playoff game. That, that was, to me, that was reminiscent. That was very... It wasn't quite as bad. But I'm not going to bring up the obvious on what happened on I'm not gonna bring that up. That was, that was Super Bowl. But it was very Houston Oilerish 1991-ish. It was the comeback. It was almost the comeback that nobody watched. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm going to go to the Detroit. The, the, the Detroit loss was very disappointing. I was very because I wanted to see. You know, I want. I wanted. I wanted to see my team in Super Bowl, but I wanted to see. Detroit, the Detroit Lions was the ultimate underdog, and everybody wants to see the underdog compete, especially if, you know, they're beating a team that you don't really have a vested interest in. Right. And I don't have a vested interest in, you know. So, right. I think it would just been yeah. a better, it would have been better for the NFL if the Detroit Lions didn't see the ball. Oh, that would have been a great story. That's true. Yeah. They were the story. Yeah. They were the story. And they were the, the team. But, and, and I, I get what you're saying. I don't think there's no wrong answer here, but let me tell you why it's the Baltimore Ravens and why I agree with John. Um, a couple of things. Let's look at the stats first. Detroit was ranked 20th in the NFL in total defense. Um, they were uh, – they have not been to an NFC championship game since I was seven. <laughs> First day is tomorrow. Okay, Leon's is today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Leon. Sure. Um, that's 19, what, 91? I'm going to say 91. That's the last time they were in a conference championship game. They've only been in a conference championship game three times, I believe, in their entire uh, uh, history. History, thank you. That's what, that's what they've done, okay? Um, last season, they didn't make the playoffs. But coming into this season, there were high expectations. And it wasn't necessarily getting to the NFC Championship. They exceeded that. Remember, Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco were the three teams that we were talking about. Detroit was going to be up in there somewhere making noise. Of course, they would have had to be a three seed or a four seed because Dallas and Philly are in the same conference. So, you know, until they change that rule to where we go by record, 
and not necessarily uh, divisions like the NBA, then we would have a different point and we'd have a different story. Let me tell you why it's the Ravens. We, it's, it's time now. As great as Lamar Jackson is, and Detroit, a Dan Campbell blew that game. He, he didn't coach that game like he should have coached it. And I get it. He, he is as fiery as he gets. He's a gambler. He believes in his team. He believes in whatever that team brings. I get that. That's cool. And blowing a 24-7 lead to a team as good as San Francisco, who hasn't been playing well all postseason, and you let them win that game, that is bad. But it ain't as bad as Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh and Todd Munkin. That was terrible. <laughs> they were the number one seed, and everybody thought that they were going to be in that Super Bowl. You thought it, Leon. John thought it. I thought it. Nobody, even Kansas City, was not going to be enough because Kansas City, as many problems as they had all season with their offense, as bad as they looked, they ain't never seen an offense, I ain't never seen a Mahomes-led offense look this bad. You only, your defense gives up 17 points, but defense got some problems too because you know what? They had a lot of penalties unsportsmanlike and, and personal foul penalties. They were undisciplined. They only gave up seven they only gave up seventeen points. But your offense only gave up ten in a time. Lamar Jackson is as good as he gets. But come playoff time, this is why people say they can't trust him. Dude, I get it. it it's time to put your pride aside when we're talking about playoffs. You you have to use what got you here, baby. <laughs> it's just it's that simple. Stop proving everybody that you're a pocket passer. Get your butt out that pocket and run. Well, he didn't do yeah. enough of it. He didn't do enough of it. He was a shell of himself. And it, it just boggled me that you. he made one great throw and that was to Zay Flowers for a touchdown. After that, it was what was. And pretty much Mahomes gave y'all the game. But the defense now, credit, Kansas City's defense has been monstrous this year, okay? I don't think we've seen anything like it. In fact, their defense was ranked second in the league in yards per game mm-hmm. behind They were really good this year. Chris Jones, y'all did this man a long-term deal, man, and stop playing. Okay, <laughs> stop playing. He, he is the best interior. He's probably one of the best. He's probably number two behind Donald. That's the best interior lineman in football. Stop playing with this man, man. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to say this. It's it's almost time. It's almost time to anoint 15 for Kansas City. It's almost time. He, he's probably going to be on the Mount Rushmore if he beats San Francisco. He's going to be on mine. He wins this Super Bowl. Because of what he's had to go through this year with his team. This is the worst team he's been on. But yet he still found a way to make it to Las Vegas next week. You talk you talk about um, Lamar Jackson uh, changing. You know, he did do the stuff that, that he did all season. I would argue that that is exactly what Dan Campbell did. He coached the same way he coached during the regular season. I agree. He, yes. He, he was a gambler through the regular season. He never he was the he led the league in going forward on fourth downs. He led the league in, you know, eschewing kicks and punts. And this time it came back and it bit him. Yep. And and Harbaugh and I and I mentioned Harbaugh's name, he gets the blame because he didn't have no control over that sideline. And I blame Ty Munkin because he was the offensive coordinator. He only was able to get 10 points. Yeah. Some of the same amount of points you gave up last week. Your defense, Mike McDonald gave gave them up last week. And now Mike McDonald is gone. Yeah. I think the Seahawks, um, I think I think he got hired by the Seahawks. So, they're so he's gone now. 
it, for me, it, and listen, the, the Detroit loss was bad because of the, because Dan Campbell gambled in the wrong spot, and you saw what happened. It was like things just started crumbling down for him. Gibbs fumbled, and then it led it led the point. Yeah. So it, it was it was just bad all over for him. And but the Ravens had such high expectations. This was the best team Harbaugh had. Yes. No question. This was the best team Harbaugh has had. You probably argue he had a, he had a better team than he did when he last won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. When Ray when Ray Lewis went out the door. Right. That that was probably you could argue that's probably his best team. His defense was unbelievable. Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate. He's probably going to win it. But man, right when you needed him. He had to prove that he was a legit pocket passer. And at that time, bro, it, it's not – you don't have to prove that. You don't have to prove it. No. All right, y'all want to get any Super Bowl picks? Uh, well, ah, this is a tough one. Um, you're in Las Vegas, which is yeah. the capital of distractions. Uh, however, the teams are not staying on the strip. They're staying about – Eight to ten miles away at Lake Las Vegas, uh, at that whole resort. Um, but again, this is a, this is a, it's going to be the it's going to be the team that is best able to tune out the distractions. Uh, I'm with the whirlwind of Taylor Swift swirling over Kansas City. I don't know if the Chiefs will be able to do that because it's going to be a double distraction. Um, I think San Francisco being so. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like the I kind of like the Niners in this one. I just think the Niners will be better prepared to tune everything out and just focus on winning. So I'll say I'll say San Francisco twenty four twenty one. Okay. I'm going with the Chiefs. I picked I picked Frisco last time. They let me down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and three. And let me tell you. Great Patrick Mahomes senior was unfortunately apprehended DWI. Some people say he was just turning up a little much. You know what I'm saying? Son got the Super Bowl fourth time in five years. A little turn up. You know, got <laughs> pulled off. You know, but we we we, are, we we have to protect Pat Mahomes senior at all costs because he is the only proof that Pat Mahomes is black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's your score? What's your score? I'm going. To, I'm going. Uh, twenty-seven. I'm going twenty-seven, twenty-one. Chiefs. You know what? I tell you what, man. This this is one of the toughest Super Bowls I've ever had to to pick. It is. It is going to be a great one, I think. Um, Frisco got the better team, man. They they have the better football team. They have a, an incredible I, – I, listen, they haven't looked all that great, but they just have a team that can just – and they're looking for redemption and they're looking for revenge. Yeah. But I I would be a fool to pick against 15 in Kansas City. I, I would be. It's, it's something that they've got going on. I, I'm going – I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I, I think that this right here is going to ascend Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion – on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, um, probably the Mount Rushmore of the best to ever do it as well. Um, it's it's time, man. I mean, the kid has not been – he's not been to less than an AFC championship. And so even with this team that he has, the, the offense struggling, but when they needed a big play in that, in that AFC uh, championship game, when they needed a big play, Remember, they hadn't had big plays all season. When they needed a big play, they got it. They got the big plays. So, I'm picking KC. I think this is going to be a shootout, man. I, I think it's not going to be 24-20 like it was a couple of years ago when you guys were down here at, at the lovely lake house. Um, I, I, I'm going to go 41-38. I think a shootout. I, I think I think I think the offense is going to have a last gas. <laughs> I think it's going to be a shootout. 41-38, Kansas City, Mahomes, the Super Bowl MVP. All right. All right. Well, we'll figure out if we're right in about one week, a little over one week. Uh, before we go, I uh, want to give a uh, 
of what's the word? Um, Super Sky Point to uh, Carl Weathers passed away a few days ago. Not only did he play Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies, he was also Chubbs in Happy Gilmore. Really made that movie, and he I, and he also played with the Raiders for two seasons before getting into football. So he was great in whatever he did. He proved himself to be a very diverse actor. Um, and again, with, with those roles of Apollo Creed and Chubbs, uh, he definitely made a mark in two of the best, more uh, enjoyable sports movies in the last 30, 40 years. So, uh, and we can't forget about Action Jackson. And Action Jackson, yep. And, and he was in Predator. Also remember the forearm pose that him and Arnold did in Predator 1? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, man, just one of the better uh, actors. Man, that was that's a tough loss to start off twenty twenty four, right? Yeah, one of uh, one of the be- be- one of the better pro football players turned actors. Yes, absolutely, and also uh, a note: he was on San Diego State University, uh, nineteen sixty nine Pasadena Bowl. Mm-hmm. Man, they, that that team actually went undefeated that year. Okay, he was a linebacker for them. Yep. Uh, rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, condolences to him and his family. Uh, man, Rocky's best opponent. Oh, yes. Um, yes. All right. Well, uh, so on that note, we'll see you next week. Thanks again to head coach Gene Hill from Georgia State Women's Basketball for joining us uh, to talk a little women's basketball. We'll be sure to keep up with the Panthers throughout the end of the regular season, which is only got about three more, three or four more weeks to go before we hit March. So, Thank you very much. And next week we'll be talking more Super Bowl and hopefully everything else that's going on in the world of sports. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, mash that like button, mash that subscribe button. We picked up a new subscriber in the last two weeks. So we're up to seven now. So whoever you are, thank you so much. We we enjoy it and please uh, spread the word. So we'll see you next week. I'm John Wardle for Daniel and Leon. This has been The Last Three Guys Do a Podcast and have a good night.